Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. WBEZ is supported by Chicago Humanities, presenting live events with historians Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham, comedian Reggie Watts and filmmaker Miranda July, and artists Hebrew Brantley and Amanda Williams in conversation. Plus, MSNBC chief correspondent Ali Velshi on small yet powerful acts of courage throughout history. Tickets for these events and more conversations on arts, culture, and current affairs at chicagohumanities.org. Hi, I'm Susie Ann, in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. <laughs> Chicago-area athletes are going for the gold in Tokyo. In a few minutes, we'll bring you the latest on how they're faring at the Tokyo Olympic Games, from rowing to volleyball to basketball. But first, mental health is now front and center at the Olympics, thanks to Simone Biles. The four-time gold medalist and defending champ withdrew from competition this week to focus on her mental health and well-being. Here she is addressing reporters Tuesday. I've just never felt like this going into a competition before, and I tried to go out here and have fun and warm up in the back went a little bit better, but then once I came out here, I was like, no, mental's not there, so I just need to let the girls do it and focus on myself. Biles received an outpouring of support for her decision to prioritize her safety over a medal, and unfortunately, some backlash. On the line with us is Inger Burnett-Zeigler, She's a licensed clinical psychologist and associate professor at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine. Her new book is called Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen, The Emotional Lives of Black Women. Welcome back to Reset. Thanks so much for having me, Susie. So, Inger, Simone Biles is arguably the greatest gymnast of all time and the face of the Summer Games for NBC. What was your reaction to her decision to step down and and put her mental health first? You know, I think that the uh, stance that Simone Biles has taken is incredibly important and a really important example for so many other people that are experiencing mental health challenges worldwide. Um, As an Olympic athlete, we can only imagine uh, the intense pressure uh, that she is under Mm -hmm. to not only perform consistently, but to perform with perfection um, and adding on to that the position that she has as a black woman um, of whom there are so few uh, in the elite sport of gymnastics, knowing that so many people are looking up to her and desperately wanting her to succeed. And despite all of that, you know, she was able to be aware of her mental health needs in that moment. And she was able to speak out about it and set boundaries and, and take the stance to do what that do what she needed to do. Um, and I think that is it's such an, an important example for all of those that are looking to her. Mm-hmm. And, and what do you make of the public reaction to her decision to withdraw from competition? Uh, did, did you anticipate the backlash? You know, in some ways, I am not surprised. I, I definitely see uh, reactions that are both uh, on both ends of the spectrum. On the one hand, there are so many people supporting her, so many people who understand uh, the amount of pressure that she's under and, and the reasons that, you know, she took the stance that she did. And there are others that are angry because, her decision uh, doesn't necessarily, you know, meet their expectations or serve their individual's needs. 
And, you know, we're, we're in a place where we're used to uh, black women specifically uh, continuing to sacrifice themselves um, in spite of their mental and physical health in order to uh, perform the roles and expectations that we need from them. And Simone Biles, you know, took a stance and said, no, you know, I, I can't do that. Um, and what I need to do is take care of myself in this moment. And that really goes against the grain of, um, of what we're accustomed to. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that, um, about that extra pressure Black women Olympians are facing right now. Yeah, you know, I think that both Simone Biles and, and Naomi Osaka are really uh, prime examples of, of strong Black women everywhere that are beautiful, that are talented, that are, you know, performing um, at their greatest and at the same time um, silently suffering with so much emotional pain that a lot of other people don't recognize. Um, and what they're doing by speaking out is bringing that pain to light um, and taking critical steps um, to, you know, let other people know, like, how these environments are harmful to them, not only the uh, physical harm uh, of training to that extent, but the emotional harm that it causes for, you know, you know, having to perform consistently, having to answer the questions, having to, you know, sacrifice other aspects of life, you know, engaging, uh, socializing, spending time with family, and and that all adds up. Um, and so I think that you know they are, um, you know, really bringing light to that. Um, to that despite, you know, how things might look to the outside world, the emotional pain that they've been um, battling with internally. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned tennis star Naomi Osaka, who also received backlash for her decision to withdraw from the French Open over mental health concerns, and she refused to participate in the tournament's mandatory post-game press conferences due to anxiety. Do you think this is a turning point in elite sports? I, I do think that it's a turning point, and I think that, you know, there's been some momentum uh, building to this moment for a while. I think they're on the heels of other uh, celebrities and kind of high-profile people that have been uh, speaking out about their mental health. Of course, Michelle Obama and Serena Williams mm -hmm. have talked about um, their mental health as well. That's really set the stage for Naomi Osaka and, and Simone Biles. Um, but, you know, I think that we're in a space where people like them are really forcing not only the sport, but the world at large to contend with the, the context that um, potentially is exacerbating these mental health concerns um, and forcing them to think about ways that they can better support the mental health needs of their athletes. So, Inger, last night, Simone Biles issued a statement via Twitter. It reads, quote, The outpouring of love and support I've received has made me realize I'm more than my accomplishments and gymnastics, which I never truly believed before. What does this tell you about the pressure she's been under? And, and do you think that's common for elite athletes? You know, elite athletes give so much of their time and their energy to the sport that at sometimes that can um, be intricately linked with how they see their identity, whereby they see themselves in, in terms of how they're performing at that particular time. And in the case where their performance 
may not be where they they want it to be, the result can be can really have a negative impact on self-esteem. Um, and that can be really hard for athletes. And I think that what Simone Biles is, is referencing in that statement is there's so many people, particularly black women, that can relate to this um, this feeling of feeling like you have to be perfect all of the time, feeling like, you know, your worth and your value is determined by what you do. Um, and there's a lot of admiration for her in terms of saying, you know what, even if I step out of this game, even if I'm imperfect, I'm still a worthy, valuable human being that's deserving of taking this time to take care of myself mm-hmm. in this moment. And I think that broader message is, is just really resonating with so many. And it's important to note that Biles is the only known survivor of former USA Gymnastics Dr. Larry Nasser to compete in these Olympics. She said one reason she chose to compete this year was so that the organization couldn't just brush the sex abuse scandal under the rug. I mean, that's an incredible burden to carry. Absolutely. And I think it's important to think about that, that she's not only facing, you know, the pressure of being an athlete and the pressure of of success in that context, but also a, a history of, you know, difficult childhood experiences combined with the sexual abuse that she experienced. And we know that when people have a history of childhood trauma and a history of sexual abuse, that that increases their risk of vulnerability for mental health challenges. And add to that the pressure of being an Olympian, you know, one can only imagine uh, the mental health impact uh, that she's been experiencing. And some people are comparing Biles to Carrie Strug, who, you know, I was a big gymnast enthusiast back in the day, and and Strug famously landed on one foot after vaulting on a broken ankle in 1996 um, at at those summer games. But in a modern context, that that video is a bit difficult to watch. Um, You can see that she's under tremendous pressure from her coach to push through the pain. What does this say about American culture and the obsession with winning at all costs? Yes, you know, I I think that that's exactly right, that there is a culture in which um, there's an expectation um, for people and particularly for black women to push through physical and emotional pain to continue to show up for others. That's one way in which black women have shown themselves to be self-sacrificing. And I, I read something in which Simone Biles was saying, you know, one of the highlights in recent years is when she's had a chance to rest because she has been under so much pain, um, both physically and emotionally. And, and that period of rest has been, you know, a highlight for her. And so I think kind of shifting that narrative in terms of the expectation of pain that we're expecting people to be able to tolerate and inviting rest, inviting self-care, inviting uh, acknowledgement of emotional needs um, is really an uh, important step for us to be taking as a society. And as we wrap up here, what can we learn from Simone and Naomi and, and other Black women athletes who are being open about their mental health struggles right now? We can learn that despite, you know, people that are uh, presenting as, as strong and beautiful and successful, that many of them are dealing with a lot of uncomfortable emotions. And even in the context of that, speaking out about what you're feeling, 
taking a stance to set the boundaries and ask for the help that you need is a really important part of us taking care of ourselves. This has been One Strange Olympic Games. It was supposed to take place last year. It's going ahead now, even though COVID-19 is surging in Japan, especially in Tokyo, this year's host city. Fans and family members weren't allowed to travel to Japan, and athletes are competing in mostly empty venues. Then there are all the lesser-known events like men's laser sailing to new events like skateboarding. But through it all, there are moments of high drama, and many of those moments include athletes from right here in Illinois. Here with more on that is Stacy St. Clair. She's covering the Olympics once again for the Chicago Tribune. Hey, Stacy. Hey, Susie. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, and, you know, just to begin, between COVID, the possibility of a typhoon the other day, blazing heat <laughs> and more, uh, we pulled up this little nugget from when you joined us from the Sochi Olympics in 2014. Maybe some of you have seen her now famous tweet that she posted. It reads, my hotel has no water. If restored, the front desk says, do not use on your face because it contains something very dangerous. That was former WBEZ host Tony Sarabia when he spoke to you in 2014. So is it as bad this time around as a uh, dangerous face water? <laughs> You know, it's just a different kind of complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's clear from from the way these games here are organized that Japan was on track to put on a really fabulous Olympics. And I think it's been um, derailed and, and just overwhelmed by the pandemic. They've, they have a very tall order. The, the IOC has promised this would not be a super spreader event, which is a promise they, they know they cannot necessarily mm-hmm. keep. And and now it's on the uh, Tokyo Organizing Committee's um, shoulder to up- uphold that absurd promise from the IOC. Well, set the scene for us. Uh, we mentioned a COVID surge in Tokyo. There were reports mm-hmm. that 80 percent of the city's residents didn't want the games to go forward. What's it like in the city and what's it like attending those events? So, the, So Tokyo itself is very much like Chicago was in, in May or June of last year. Uh, the streets are, are pretty empty. They're they're under a state of emergency here, mm. um, where people have been um, told to, to stay in their homes and and not go to restaurants. So if you think of what the loop looked like um, about a year ago, that's what Tokyo looks like. You can get from one end of the city to the other in very short order, which in normal circumstances is not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, we haven't, you know, seen many people out on the street. Obviously, they're not at um, at the the venues, but, you know, there there have been some, as the games have gone on, um, some fans and spectators have started showing up um, in places where they can, like along the cycling routes, right, mm-hmm. where they can just sort of be on the sidewalk and, oh, look, there's the Olympics. Yeah. And when the Japanese women won gold in softball in Yokohama uh, a couple nights ago, residents did turn up outside the stadium um, to cheer for the the team, which is, I think, actually um, a nice moment. Everybody was masked. Everybody was um, more or less following social distancing rules. So I think that was a nice moment for the Japanese Mm -hmm. uh, women's softball team to have a a little celebration like that, because that is one of the most – 
special things about about the Olympics, and it doesn't matter which country I've been in during the Olympics, but when the host country wins a gold medal, just sort of the energy and the jubilation that goes through a stadium is is pretty uh, is pretty great to experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm glad the athletes are getting a little taste of that. Yeah, good that some of that is still there. Um, well, through through all the craziness, I mean, you've reported on some real feel-good moments from Chicago-area athletes. Um, let's start with Kevin McDowell from Geneva. Mm-hmm. He competed in the triathlon. What was he able to do, and why is his story so special? Well, his, his story is special because um, about 10 years ago when he was 18, um, he came home from his first professional uh, triathlon race, and his mother noticed sort of a a swelling uh, near his neck and mm. she's a nurse and she reached out and touched it and, and knew right away there was something wrong and she was correct. It was, it was lymphoma. So he battled cancer and he battled back from um, just how devastating the chemo was to his body. It took him about uh, eight years to get back into like the same physical shape that he was when he got sick. And um, he made the Olympic team this year. He was, supposed to be using uh, the triathlon uh, last weekend as, as a warm-up for the mixed relay, which is coming up this Saturday, but he ended up um, finishing sixth. He almost medaled, but he finished sixth, which is the highest any American man has ever finished in the triathlon, and he's um, set himself up very nicely to, to maybe get a medal in the, the mixed relay, which is a new event, and that's going to take place um, Saturday morning, Tokyo time, Friday afternoon. Uh, Chicago time. Well, all the best to Kevin. Um, let's move over to rowing where Glenview's Allie Rusher uh, is competing and um, she's keeping a family tradition going. Right. She is the third, um, now the third Olympian in her family. Her um, her mother and father both are, are Olympic rowers. Her mom got a silver and her dad uh, got a bronze. Her goal at the games was to complete the family collection and, and win a gold. Um, but her uh, her boat uh, this week failed to qualify mm. into the final. So she'll go home an Olympian and join that family tradition, and she'll have to try again in 2024 for a medal. And now the U.S. women's volleyball team hasn't won gold in nearly 60 years, but there's a young woman from Bartlett, Kelly Kelsey Robinson, who's trying to change that. Yeah, Kelsey was a member of the um, 2016 Rio Games, and um, she competed there, and U.S. Volleyball was heavily favored to win. They got upset by Serbia in the semifinals, and they they, um, ended up winning the bronze. And Kelsey's one of the few members of that team who have come back again um, to try to right that wrong and and end the uh, U.S. women's volleyball team's uh, drought um, in, um, to, you know, to win a gold medal. So she'll, uh, they're on good, they're on in good shape to do that. I think they have a a really good shot. Um, they're undefeated so far in, in match play and they'll be headed into the the knockout rounds soon enough. All right. sounds exciting. And there's, there's a new, uh, basketball event in the Olympics. Um, tell (laughs) us about the Chicago sky player that, that won gold. Yeah, Stephanie Dolson from the Chicago Sky won gold um, last night here in Tokyo in three-on-three, which is um, a really fun uh, new event that, um, if you guys didn't see it, it it looks a lot like 
what the games you see when you sit on the bench mm-hmm. and, and at the park and, and watch, you know, people just playing pickup games. So it, it's fast and it's, um, there's not up and down the court. There's just one half court. And um, Stephanie became really popular um, on uh, among the volunteers uh, who do attend the games because they're, they're helping out at the stadiums mm-hmm. because there's, there's sort of a play-by-play in the stadium and the announcer never referred to Stephanie Dolson as Stephanie Dolson, just as Big Mama Steph, which is also her Instagram handle. So uh, everyone in Tokyo can hear that on the broadcast. And so she's she's sort of known here now as uh, Big Mama Steph. So (laughs) it was, was I think, a fun little, just kind of showed how casual um, the atmosphere is at three-on-three basketball. Yeah, it's definitely exciting, very Mm fast-paced. So that's great. Yes. Uh, What other local stories are you following? Uh, well, today uh, we followed a judoka, um, Nafeli Papadakis, out of Gurney, and uh, she was competing at her first Olympics. And, and her story is a, a little heartbreaking because mm-hmm. her father has been her coach since she was four years old. Um, he is not a national team coach, so therefore he was not allowed oh, um, to come to the Olympics. So uh, my colleague Colleen Kane went to Gurney and, and watched the games with him while I was here watching uh, Nafeli compete um, in the uh, judoka battle today. And unfortunately, she was knocked out in, in the first round, but um, she and her dad have a really great story. He, he, doesn't, he did, wasn't a uh, judoka growing up. He took a few classes in college. Um, thought it'd be a good way to get his kids interested in doing something active instead of playing video games and is self-taught, read a bunch of books and watched a lot of YouTube videos and, you know, ended up teaching his kid to become an Olympian. So it's pretty, it's a pretty incredible story. I mean, that is truly inspiring to (laughs) try to tear your kids away from the screen and, and then they become an Olympian. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Right. And then, you know, a pandemic hits, you're not allowed to watch your kid, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the Olympics, you know, you, you watch it via uh, NBC live stream uh, in Lake County while your kid's half a world away uh, in the biggest moment of her life. So I think it was hard for the family. They, they, they were pretty open with us about how disappointing it was to, um, to sort of miss the moment together. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it was, it was a privilege to kind of be there to watch, uh, Nafeli here compete and watch her family react to to her uh, her competition. And the good news for her is that she is very very young by judo standards. She's only 22, and uh, the U.S. Olympic team thinks that she'll peak more close to 2028, and that's when the games will be in Los Angeles. Well, we'll keep her on our radar for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, the biggest Olympic story in the U.S. over the last few days, of course, has been Simone Biles, uh, recognized yeah. as the greatest gymnast alive and, you know, dropping out for mental health reasons. What are you hearing from other athletes about it? You know, what's interesting about that is even before Simone dropped out, I was noticing that more and more athletes were talking about how hard and what a mental struggle they've had. Um, over the past year, I think for for everyone, whether you're an Olympian or not, the past year was difficult, and mm-hmm. there were stressors in the past year that we're not used to. Olympians are no different than that, except that while living their normal lives, they also had been building toward this 
this pinnacle their entire lives and and it was it was really rocked by the the game's postponement so i had heard athletes all week talking about mental health and how they needed to get um psychologists involved in, in their training and, and that became as much a part of their training over the pandemic as the physical training itself um so when simone um stepped down from the uh, team competition and withdrew from the all around. I think it gave athletes a a little bit of um, space to to talk even more openly about what was definitely there on the surface um, before Simone, you know, made it a a public conversation. Yeah, definitely. And and I think it's important for folks to recognize that the mental health effects can have an effect on your performance, which could then mm-hmm. possibly lead to physical injury. And so that's an important thing to consider. Yeah. I mean, especially for someone like Simone, right? If you aren't in the right headspace, you are putting yourself in danger because most of the things she does, if she's not careful, she could end up breaking her neck, Yeah, you know? So I think you want to be, I mean, you don't want a diver going off the platform if they're not in the right headspace. You don't want, you know, someone vaulting off a, you know, a inch wide piece of wood uh, if if they're not, if they don't think they're in the right space um, in their head. So I, I think you also have to definitely consider the the dangers that are involved if people, um, if their mental health is not in, in the right space. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, Stacy, as we wrap up here, um, obviously this is not your first Olympic Games, and there are a lot of sports at the Olympics. So from gymnastics to rowing to skateboarding, what is your favorite game to watch? My, my favorite one is is the one that's newest to me at the moment. Um, you know, yesterday I went out to um, watch sailing where, where Maggie Shea from um, Wilmette was mm. competing, and I'd never been to a sailing race or seen a sailing race. And I got to talk, to, I got to watch it and to talk to Maggie afterwards about sort of the way she and her partner, her teammate, communicate. And, you know, again, they were, they were ones who talked about the mental um, aspects of it. So mm-hmm. that was really exciting to me. Um, Tomorrow I'm going to BMX cycling where um, Felicia Stansfield from Lake Bluff is competing. So that'll be my first time there. So maybe tomorrow BMX will be my favorite sport. Uh, Today it's sailing. Yeah, I'm sure the the passion of the athletes is is contagious, I'm sure. Yeah, and a lot of these athletes don't get that that I write about. Um, don't get a lot of press coverage. So they're, they're very generous with their time. They're very generous, generous with their stories and, and they're excited to share, um, their journey. So that's what makes it fun to me. Well, we wish all the athletes luck and good health. That's Stacey St. Clair of the Chicago Tribune getting us up to speed on some of the Chicago area Olympic stories and more. Stacey, it's 14 hours ahead over there. Thanks so much for staying up for us. No problem, Susie. Take care. And that's today's Reset. For more on the week's top stories from the Olympics to Lollapalooza to COVID, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. And leave us a rating and review. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it really helps other people find us. I'm Susie Ann. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you back here tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. 
Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.